it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to the Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You know, people ask, well, would somebody else have taken that and, and run with it if they're offered? No. The, the answer is no, because we had something that was going to be uh, successful right here in a regional lineup with a 100-year-old conference. So, no, we could have made it work, and we could have actually closed the gap on on the SECs and the Big Ten um, situation. Looking through rose-colored glasses, if this would have worked out, um, the schools that we had, and, and, oh, by the way, we got better, not worse, when Colorado left. We had a chance uh, to add a member that would have made us better. And, and that group uh, could have got some things done, and that's what we were all thinking we were headed towards. So, yeah, furious, as I've said, um, mad at, at, at the, the moment for sure, but channeling that energy to what's next, and, and that's where we're going to go. And we're fighting for our student-athletes, and we're going to do everything we can to put them in the best position um, and I do not believe that was, was the best position when other options were available uh, and, and um, for student-athletes. And um, it, just, it just is what it is. So we, we now we pick up the pieces and we go get something done. Well, we heard from Scott Barnes, the Oregon State Athletic Director, on yesterday's show. And if you missed the podcast of that, go back and grab it, listen to it. I thought Barnes was strong talking about the plight of Oregon State and their plan A the possible rebuild of the Pac-12 conference, all of that, uh, whatever you think about the possible rebuild of the conference as it stands now, Scott Barnes' comments are interesting. He takes a shot at Colorado. He basically pushes back and says, look, it shouldn't all be about the money. And, you know, I wanted to get a perspective of kind of where Washington State fits into Oregon State's thinking. There's nobody better to do that than Jason Puckett, who hosts a show on KJR in Seattle. I join him once a week. He's been kind enough to join us back. Puck, take the temperature for me with Washington State fans. Where are they today? Where's their mindset? What are they thinking? Uh, well, I still think uh, hurt, probably still. Still probably some level of disappointment and, and anger, and I think it's going to take a while to probably get over that. I think that's why they need the football season to start immediately. They need to get a win over Colorado State. Uh, which will be a tough game, and then and then Northern Colorado, and then, of course, their week three against Wisconsin. But I think they need the college football season to start, John, so they can get over kind of the hurt and anger and then some type of quick resolution. And I think they just want to know where they're going, whether it's going to be, a, a, you know, a revamp pack four with all this stuff or or maybe it's, a, you know, they're dancing with the Mountain West. I just think that this being hung out to dry right now is kind of frustrating for a lot of alums. Yeah, and I think Scott Barnes came on the show yesterday, and you know he talked about it being a matter of days, not weeks. I think they have to get clarity before the start of the season, don't you? Like, they, I don't think they can get into that season with this hanging overhead. Yeah, I mean that's the, yeah, exactly right. And I, I love that interview; it was great, great job. I mean, I hope that people of Portland understand what type of treasure they have in you. I just hope they understand that because <laughs> you're unbelievable, man. And you know, and for and I, all your bosses, more money, more money for Kansas. Um, yeah, I, I think that he's right. I think he's, I think he's 100% right. They, I think both schools need to know immediately where they're at so they can just go to, you know, plan B and whatever plan B is. Maybe they have a different plan B or, or maybe they, as Scott said, that they are attached at the hip and they will go to the Mountain West. But I just think for the same, uh, the sanity of 
of the two fan bases, there just needs to be a quick resolution to this. Do you trust Stanford? I mean, given everything that we have seen in the, in the last year, do, should Washington State and Oregon State trust Stanford? What if Stanford doesn't get in the ACC, they turn around, they say, okay, we're in this with you. Do you, uh, do you kind of look at him like Larry David, like, can I trust you? That Give him that glare? <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll be honest. I don't trust anyone, and, and and this is, and I love the bees. I don't trust Oregon State, and and I, I just don't. I don't. I don't trust any of these people. I mean, I don't trust you know the beaver. I don't trust it when he's got the chainsaw in his hand. I don't trust any of these guys because uh, why would anybody? And and and, by, and vice versa. Why would Oregon State trust Washington State? I mean, we we've just seen this this whole thing of of. You know, people that have long-standing relationships telling them one thing and then, you know, less than 24 hours doing something completely different. Now, I, I mean, I think Oregon State, Washington State, is, you know, what Scott said, I think they are in line with, with one another. But I think you've got to be real leery of Stanford and trust anything uh, that they say. And then on, on, on top of that, I'd be leery a little bit of Oliver Luck just from a standpoint of he's he's committed to Stanford. He's got a history with Stanford. I, I would be a little leery of him talking to the other schools. I don't know what you think and, and helping them out, but is he putting a little extra work in for Stanford? Uh, that would cause a little concern for me. I, I'm torn, too, because he talked about flexibility as though it were advantageous, you know, in meaning that you take fewer teams, maybe you don't have huge buyouts, maybe it's a shorter-term commitment, but I'm trying to weigh whether, you know, doing something short-term for Washington State and Oregon State is better or do they need to know? Hey, this is where you're going to be for like six or eight years. Do you think you can? Do you think Jake Dickert can recruit to with kids going? Hey, you know, you're in the rebuilt pack four for now, but it could be a Mountain West in two to three years. Or where am I playing in two to three years? Or do you? How do you think kids think? I, I don't. I'm, well, <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea how kids. There's so much. They they think so much differently and in this world of. NIL. I mean, there will be two schools that will get will get picked over more than any other two schools in this country, and that will be Oregon State and Washington State. They will get, uh, unfortunately, will get gutted this off season because uh, they they recruit their asses off. They do a great job. I mean, you got you know one of the top quarterbacks, freshmen in the country. I mean, w- what's the likelihood that that kid stays stays around or he's going to be hoarded after uh, in terms of other programs? And I think the same thing for Dickert. I mean. If it wasn't a challenge already of keeping your guys in the Pac-12, this I, you know, what is going to be used against them in negative recruiting is, hey, they don't have a home. They may be in the Mountain West. You don't want to play in the Mountain West. You're too good for the Mountain West. So, I, I know they make a lot of money. No one's going to feel sorry for them, John. But their role as head coaches now, and just coaches in general, is just a, a brutal. And you know, they'll lose. They'll lose countless assistants and coordinators because those guys, if they're good, will will jump to new gigs. I'm thinking about uh, Arbuckle, who's the new offensive coordinator at Washington State, and you know, a bright mind, up and comer uh, in this business. If he can turn around Cam Ward this year and has a great season offensively, he's one and done. He's out. He'll find a new gig, and, and no one would blame him. Jason Puck at KJR in Seattle. Uh, Puck, the the season you mentioned Arbuckle. How important is it that he and Cam Ward gel and? They look more creative and dynamic on offense this season. I, number no, I, for me, it's the number one key. I mean, they they've just got it. There's a lot of fanfare with with Cam Ward when when he came in and transferred into Washington State. And listen, he wasn't terrible last year, but he, but he wasn't great. He he wasn't billed as is the guy that I think that a lot of the fans thought he was going to be. And 
the offense last year was not creative. It was just, you know, nothing vertical, all horizontal. There was no imagination with, with their offense. And, and so Arbuckle has got to come in and has a reputation of being able to be a little bit more creative, using the tight ends more, running the ball more, having different sets. So not everything looks the same, but the number one thing that fans want to see is the ability to push the ball downfield. I think he's the key to the whole season. I think defensively they'll be fine. They were fine a year ago. Jake Dickert's the head coach, and he'll be good in that department. And they got a lot of returning guys. It's offensively. They have to score more points than the other team. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, I know it's just kind of, you know, duh, but that, that's the key for them. So I think that Arbuckle is, is the key to the whole season. Wilner and I were talking about the season. He said it was a weird season. And I was talking to Mike Bellotti, the former Oregon coach, and he said, I don't know how much it means. And I disagree with that because, mm. it, to me, it feels like the season finale of Sopranos or Breaking Bad, like I mean, the series finale of Game of Thrones. Like, this is, you know, there, there's intrigue in it. It's probably not going to please everybody. But I feel like this is really important. You? I, I mean, I do, but I, but I think I understand maybe where, where Bilotti's coming from. If I just use, like, The Sopranos or Game of Thrones, like, you just knew, like, those two series, right, or any series, when they have a long run, it's eventually going to come to an end. And it wasn't like the actors on those shows were leaving to go join a rival television show or start their own TV show because they were unhappy where they're at. So I think from that standpoint, it, it's going to be a little weird, and uh, there's going to be a lot of bitterness uh, about this final season. And I think once it gets going, and hopefully we have a terrific season. Uh, but, yeah, I think it, it, for me personally, it's, it's going to be maybe hard to get into it uh, more than I have in the past just because of, of what the future holds. I mean, I'm going to try to go as – I mean, I'm a season ticket holder for Washington State. I mean, I try to go as many home games as I, I possibly can. You know, I'm going to try to make some road games. You know, it's been a long time since I've been at UCLA. Uh, Washington State hasn't played there in a long time. And and so, you know, that's the last time that, that I'll be able to watch my alma mater probably play there ever again in, in the Rose Bowl. So I want to go see that. And I think it will be kind of like a retirement tour is, is kind of the feel to it. I love that. I, I love that you're going on the road. You're ta- are you taking the show on the road? Go on the road with everything. I uh, probably, you know what? A damn good idea. Can you get? Uh, you know, hopefully, we get iHeart to pick up the yes. bill on that one. They'll probably stick it to me. Now, why don't you pay for it? But you know, that's you know, for me, what I'm going to miss most about it, and it's not just how it affects my school. It's just I I like all the other schools, despite having you know, you know this this rivalry with them. You know, I've been to Eugene a million times to watch a football game. You know, I love that atmosphere. It's one of the best college uh, campuses, atmospheres, especially for football. I was there two years ago on that night game, and it was just awesome. And everything about it is fun. And I've been to Corvallis a bunch of times. Have a great time every time I'm there. And I wanted to see, you know, the new, you know, the new stadium when it's all done. I've been to Cal. I've been to UCLA. I'm in. I'm in to all of them. And you know, it's the, that's what I'm going to miss because. You know, I, I've I've grown fond for those programs and and those you know stadiums and things like that and and to you know no longer have it, um, I'm just I'm just kind of sad for all of it being gone, uh, all of it being being do, uh, done and finished with. All right, Scott Barnes, uh, Oregon State AD. I asked him, you know, do, will you play Oregon? He says he's not ready to commit yet. It sounds like he's st- it's still too raw for him. You, you have any sense on the Apple Cup? I mean, if what if Washington says, you know, we won't, we'll only play it at a neutral site, or we'll only play it at our place? Is Pat Chun or you know is Schultz is Washington State going to play the Apple Cup? 
I, I don't think, I mean, I don't think they should. Uh, me personally, I don't want to play anymore. But I think from their standpoint, at least what they have said publicly and, and at least have uh, led us to believe that I think the option of playing in a neutral site in Seattle, which has been floated out, which I think what is what Washington wants to do, play it at Lumen Field, which is the home of the Seahawks, that that appears to me to be off the table for Washington State. Mm. That, that that's not what they want to do. And I think if Washington could win out with this debate, they would play it there, and then they would play it in the beginning of the season, like you see with Colorado and Colorado State. And I, and I would just say the the biggest reason why it, it should be a, a you know home and home series one that's just kind of for the most part that's always how they've done it. There's a financial aspect to it. Too, with, with Pullman, it's just not about the home teams keeping the gate. They would they would split the revenue, you know, for Lumen Field. In fact, Washington actually would take a bath on that one because their stadium is bigger and they wouldn't get all the gate receipts. But it's the financial impact it is for for Pullman. You know, you've been there. There's ten weeks a year, uh, weekends that that really puts money into that economy. You know, it's the football games, it's graduation. You know, homecoming, things like that. that that's where they, they charge you a bunch for hotels, the restaurants, all the businesses need those weekends. And the Apple Cup is one of the biggest weekends. It's the, you know, it's the single biggest weekend because all the hotel rooms are full, all the restaurants are full. If you take it away from Pullman, you really are going to neuter that, that town. Mm. And, uh, and I think that's what they're fighting for. And that, that's the only option for Washington State is if you just continue the game uh, with a home-and-home. Jason Puckett, KJR in Seattle. Follow him on Twitter. Listen to him on KJR. Puck, thank you, man. Appreciate you. You're the best. Pay him more, people. <laughs> Love that. You're making it all about money all the time. About money with these yeah. teams leaving, about the gate and the hotels. Yeah, it's all about money, John. That's all, that's all we've learned about. <laughs> Thanks, man. Really good stuff from Jason Puckett, KJR in Seattle. I go on his show every week. Really nice of him to return the favor. Um, you know, he made it about the money there, and it's interesting that he did because – it's a conversation I had with my father this morning. Got me thinking about money and sports and a bank robbery. I'll tell you more about that coming up. I was having a conversation with my father this morning on the phone in which we were kind of lamenting that so much of sports has become all about the money. It's all about the money when it comes to college expansion, forget tradition, forget kickoff times. I mean, it's been a theme on today's show, really, if we if you think about it, our interviews with Chris Hill, the former Utah athletic director. If you missed that, grab the podcast of it. Uh, Jason Puckett, KJR in Seattle. Grab the podcast of those interviews. Uh, I think they're valuable. I think it's interesting to get the perspective from other people in other markets. But, uh, again, I digress. I was talking to my dad today. My dad said, look, it's always been about the money. You follow the money if you want to find out uh, what's going on. And, of course, we all know that logically, but... You know, I, I've just been thinking a lot about it, especially after the comments from Scott Barnes, the Oregon State Athletic Director, on yesterday's show. And certainly uh, we uh, see the release of the NBA schedule today and the Trailblazers schedule out and Damian Lillard, who will be making uh, damn near $60 million a year by the time he's done with the current contract that he's on. I mean, hell, we're going to see players make a million dollars a game in the NBA someday. Like, we, we'll, that's not that far away. It doesn't feel like with the new TV deal on the horizon and the collective bargaining agreement and all of that nonsense. But I saw a story today that kind of underscores just the general theme. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs superfan has been indicted on bank robbery and money laundering charges. Federal grand jury indicted uh, a Chiefs superfan named 
Xavier Babadour, who's 29 years old. He's accused of three counts of armed bank robbery, 11 counts of money laundering. Um, federal prosecutors allege that Babadour laundered the proceeds through casinos in the Midwest and that he used the funds from his bank robberies to attend Kansas City Chiefs home and away games. He's known as Chiefsaholic on social media. He wore a gray wolf suit to games, was often shown on the broadcast. If you're a diehard fan of the Chiefs or you've seen a bunch of their games, you know who I'm talking about. But apparently he's been linked to six robberies and two attempted robberies in a nine-month stretch between uh, Iowa and Oklahoma, where he was first arrested. They allege that he stole more than $800,000. And uh, he even fled while he was out on bond in Oklahoma. And uh, after he got $100,000 in winnings from an Illinois sports book from bets he placed on Patrick Mahomes to win the NFL MVP and for Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. But he cut his ankle monitor, fled the state. He's been on the run for three months. He got captured by the FBI in early July in Sacramento. And now the government has come out and uh, basically said that, uh, that uh, th- you know, this is a guy who's been funding his fan uh, passion, his passion for the Chiefs, through bank robberies. Now, his attorney, Matthew Merriman, who's his defense attorney, said in a statement, it, the truth is that since 2018, Chief Saholic has entertained, inspired, unified, and motivated Kansas City Chiefs fans and Chiefs Kingdom and hundreds of millions of football fans around the globe. Uh, the attorney said, quote, it's now the fourth quarter of the most important game of Javier's life, and his legal team believes that his innocence will ultimately be proven to the public. End quote. This is sure to be a spectacle. Uh, I don't know if you can get betting odds on this thing. Stephen's nodding. But I also am looking at this, and I'm left thinking, like, you know, if you were going to be a bank robber, like, are there worse things that you could spend your money on than your sports passion? Or, by the way, does it take being a bank robber these days to be able to afford to go to Chiefs games and a go to go to road games? I don't know. I digress. I'm sure there's a lot of law-abiding citizens out there that are fans of teams. But I got to be honest with you. I did look around the Pac-12 conference this season, including Oregon State, at the cost of going to home football games in the Pac-12. It's prohibitive. It's not, it's not just the kickoff times. People talk about the kickoff times being bad or maybe the competition and the non-conference schedules, not what you dreamed it would be. I know plays uh, opens their season with Portland State and in non-conference games you've got UC Davis and San Diego State coming to Reeser Stadium, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of buzz and fanfare about the opening of Reeser Stadium, but, you know, I buy tickets to both stadiums. I often give them away on this radio show. And I do find that the costs are becoming more and more challenging. And I kind of wonder, with between the college teams and professional sports, which is way out of hand, the college games are way more affordable. I kind of wonder, you know, uh, how families are afford to go to an NBA game if they're not getting tickets for free. Like, you know, where are you sitting? Where are you eating? Where are you parking? And I think it's just become more and more difficult for regular families and regular folks to go to games. And that comes in addition to the challenges of actually getting to the game and getting and, the, and dealing with kickoff and dealing with a crowded sports calendar and dealing with the youth sports events that your kids are playing in. And then I'm left seeing this story about the Kansas City Chiefs fan, which probably belonged in the 5 at 5, 
it's kind of that wacky story that Anna usually digs up. But I'm looking at it and I'm going, hey, there's there's kind of there's some sins and there's some truth buried in this story. Like first and foremost, you know, you got a fan who it, it, it sounds like a movie. It's catch me if you can. You know, maybe Leonardo DiCaprio plays, you know, the super fan when they make the movie out of this thing. But, I, you know, you've seen these fans at games. And I used to cover the Raiders. I would go to, like, the Oakland Coliseum when the Raiders were playing. And I kind of always just wondered, who are these people who are dressing in costume, who go to every game, who are, you know, jockeying for camera position, you know, just to get, like, four seconds of on the camera, you know, in the pregame or maybe during a celebration or whatnot. And, you know, I talked to a lot of those fans, and they were working regular jobs. Like, this one guy who looked like he you know, arrived on a Harley Davidson and he painted his face and he was wearing like a leather vest. And I, you know, he's a nurse at like the children's hospital in Oakland. And I was like, man, this is the other side of your secret life. Like, you know, this is your outlet. That's cool. But I've often kind of thought like, you know, who are these people who can afford still to go to games? And, you know, I know a lot of businesses, a lot of, you know, you go to see NBA games now, you'll find a lot of the tickets are gobbled up by sponsors and corporate partnerships and whatnot, and I get it. The teams need to uh, need to do good business and need to make money. You know, they have to pay the players, uh, trying to turn a profit. But in the end, I am looking around the world of sports, and I often do this because I relate with three kids. You know, when we go to travel or we go to go to a game or we go to go to see a concert or a play or the Nutcracker or whatever it is. We were talking earlier today, Disney on Ice or the Wiggles or whatever we were going to when the kids were little. Like, it doesn't feel like it was that prohibitive. And I'm looking now and I'm seeing like, you know, yes, there's some inflation factored in here. But there's also just the fact that these teams, as I started this segment talking about, are all chasing the money to the detriment of the fan base. Chasing the money, chasing the TV deal. You know, dragging your team across the country into a new conference. Not just one program, a whole bunch of them. With nobody asking serious questions about how it affects, you know, the tennis team or the women's basketball team. We all sort of just say, well, football's driving this. You know, it's, yeah, of course football's driving it, but should it be? Like, maybe somebody like Chris Hill, the former Utah AD, said on the show today, maybe somebody should raise a hand and go, hey, wait a minute. Isn't there, aren't we smart people here? Can't we figure out how to do this without dragging all these teams across the country. Hell, Chip Kelly, for crying out loud, suggested why not just separate football? It's different than the other sports. It seems pretty simple. Why won't they? Money. Because they don't want to go back to the TV partners and go, hey, we just want to splinter out football. What would do we? Can we give some of the money back? Never happen, right? Well, Chiefs fan facing uh, you know, a, a jury of his peers and his day in court, super Chiefs fan, but uh, I just kind of shook my head. It's kind of an absurd story. You know, I made the headlines in, in all the national sports media websites and such. But I also thought, you know, it kind of dovetails with the stuff we've been talking around and about. You know, here's a guy who, uh, you know, robbed a bunch of banks, allegedly, and used the money to go be a super fan. And I'm left going, well, I bet there's a lot of fans and families out there going, you know what? You pretty much have to rob a bank to go to all the games that this guy was going to, to travel on the road, for crying out loud, to go to the games. But the Blazers' season schedule comes out. I'm looking at the schedule. I'm kind of wondering where, you know, how many of these games, if any, will Damian Lillard play in? How empty will the arena fill? And I'm also thinking about the fans who would probably just love to go to an NBA game, as I did as a kid when my Warriors just stunk. 
I was just happy to be in the NBA arena. I didn't care. They were losing a bunch of games. I didn't care who was in the lineup. I just wanted to see an NBA game. And I just wonder, in today's world, when I see the ticket prices to go to Moda Center and watch the Blazers play, I wonder who can afford it. I wonder what kind of families can afford it. I'll leave you with that. A little bit of, little bit of pressure back on Oregon, Oregon State, the Blazers, Timbers, to uh, make it more accessible for families. Me, I get it. I get it. I'm asking you to take a little less money. But, you know, maybe you can have a section like some of the some of the schools do. I know Oregon State and Oregon do a family section. I know you can have a section, but, you know, I guess if the demand's there, the market doesn't lie. But I'm kind of looking at the NBA season this year and the Blazers' trajectory. There's going to be a lot of empty seats. Why not fill them? Why not engage with your fans, for, you know? Not your super fans. We don't want anybody robbing a bank, but your fans. All right, grab podcast of today's show. We had great interviews with Chris Hill, the former Utah AD. He was lights out, fired up. Great interview. Jason Puckett, KJR in Seattle. Puck was uh, all over kind of the sentiment, the sentiment of Washington State as it pertains to their saga, Oregon State and Washington State, in this thing together. The Bald Face Truth Nine. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.